Hello and welcome to the September 7th, 2018 edition of Mr. Joe's Bipolar Podcast. My name is Mr. Joe. This is my neighborhood. This is my life. But this is our podcast journey. Welcome to Mr. Joe's Bipolar Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Mr. Joe's Bipolar Podcast. It is awesome to be out there with you, and of course, it's wonderful to have you here with me. And it looks like we are in touch with one another for two, uh, three, three days in a row. So we certainly have a lot of content out there in terms of Mr. Joe's Bipolar Podcast. I hope I'm not going too fast for everybody, but... You know what, I, like I said yesterday, uh, or in the previous podcast, if I have the opportunity to speak to my audience, I'm going to do so, because I know, as a mental health, or a mental, a person with a mental illness, a person with bipolar disorder, there was nothing more rewarding for me, nothing more uh, routine-provoking, or settling in my life when I would go through difficult times than to have something to turn to on a regular basis and in that particular moment of my life it happened to be Bipolar Bob of uh, the Bipolar family when I had discovered Bipolar Bob I was in a very very bad place I really was and he helped me get through a hell of a lot of hard times. Um, and it didn't always have to be about mental health. It didn't. I didn't, you know, educating me on what he went through, educating me on some of the um, side effects of some of his medications that he was on. Those were all great educational things. But sometimes I looked more forward to hearing the stories about his life more than anything else because it, it brought an inner peace to me and maybe it's because a lot of times you know I would listen to him and I would say wow I guess I'm not alone <laughs> my family does that also um, and you know it's, it's without a doubt that he has absolutely a unique situation because of his children and the mental health um, diagnosis is that they currently live with so you know but there are de definitely some similarities just because my children are undiagnosed that doesn't mean they don't act a certain way so it was always good to hear his perspective on things but also to I guess move along with his life and find out exactly what was happening I felt like I was a part of his world and I thought it was awesome and so what I'm trying to say is, if you're anything like me, and it doesn't necessarily have to mean that you're going through a rough patch right now, but if you're anything like me in which you, you seek that normalcy, and what I mean by normalcy is you just want something to throw on and listen to, the, the same way that we look forward maybe to a weekly television show, the same way many of us binge out to Netflix or Hulu or whatever, Amazon, whatever whatever show is on your particular streaming service or channel that you like, 
you know, we've all probably binged if we had the time in, in a show, and we, we're upset when it's over. Or we're upset when we have to wait for season two or season three. And I guess what I'm trying to say is I don't want you to have to wait for season four with Mr. Joe. Keep the seasons going so that every time you hear my music at the end and you shut me down, and I would imagine many of you shut me off when you hear the music because there's no reason to really listen to my, um, I guess you could call it my output or my ending. <laughs> Let's stop searching for huge big words here. It's silly. It's not even necessary. The ending of my podcast, once you hear that music, you shut it down. And, you know, if you're anything like me, you check whatever podcast application or source that you're using and you wait for another episode of Mr. Joe's Bipolar Podcast. So why not keep them going? Why, why should we have to wait for a new season? So I wanted to discuss two things. The first thing today I wanted to discuss is only going to take about 30 seconds. So let me move right into it because before you know it, it'll be 45 seconds because I talk so much about what it is that I'm going to talk about without addressing the issue. Very simply put, I woke up this morning and I have a little pill box that I put all my medication in, as I'm sure many of you do out there. Um, and each day I take out my Wellbutrin and I take out my Lamictal. And in addition to that, after I take those pills, because I take, um, this is going a lot longer than 30 seconds. Who, in the, who on earth am I kidding? So let's, let's, let's in the future not put a time frame on anything that Mr. Joe says, because I very rarely follow it. Um, so in the morning, I take 300 milligrams of Wellbutrin in combination with my 100 milligrams of Lamictal. After that goes down the hatch, what I do is I reach back into my pill box and I take out my nighttime dose of Lamictal, um, which also used to be a nighttime dose of Seroquel, which I'm no longer on. Um, and I, you would also see a vitamin there that I would take as well. Uh, so it would help me to just, you know, I actually have to set an alarm as well to remind me to take my medication at night. And that's it. Nighttime comes. It's already out of the pillbox. It's, it's sitting on... The pillbox sits on like a little plate, a little bit bigger than the actual pillbox. So it just for me, I, I don't know if it's more of an OCD thing, guys, that that's just the routine that I've gotten into. But whatever it is for my nighttime pills, i got to take them out of the pillbox, and I put them on that little plate, and it's just something that I do well. Here's why it should have only took 30 seconds, because the, the, the moral of the story is simple. I woke up this morning, and I looked on the plate, and I realized I did not take my medicine last night. And that's not a good thing. Now, I'm not going to get crazy about it. It's only one dose that I missed, but i got to tell you, since I've been medicated, I have never, never missed a dosage of medication. I've been late. That throws me off. And I got to tell you, just one dose, I, I don't feel great today. My, You know, um, I, I spoke of mania yesterday. I'm still a little amped up, but I am certainly coming down a notch. And with Mr. Joe, unfortunately, nothing really seems to ever stay where it was, even the enjoyable moments, because I am a rapid cycler. 
Um, one thing I'm happy about, though, this has not been a mixed episode by any stretch of the imagination, which, again, shows me that my medication is working. So, what a dummy to not take my medicine last night, and I just don't remember why I would, you know, why I went about it. I mean, clearly, I, I don't remember why I didn't take my medication, because I didn't take my medication. <laughs> so, there's no reason to sit back and think, well, why would you do that? You simply just forgot and maybe it was just my manic mind. I mean, that's very interesting to think of how manic I was yesterday, and I actually went to bed without taking my medication because I, 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 if I had to ponder a guess, maybe I just thought I was so fine and well that I didn't even think about taking medicine. So I woke up this morning and I saw it. Now, the second thing I wanted to discuss is actually the title of this podcast, which I would imagine at this point in time is probably going to be um, Anxiety Disorders. And we've had many anxiety podcasts before. I believe we've had Anxiety 101 and Anxiety and Panic Attacks. Uh, but I've been getting a lot, a lot of emails and a lot of questions about anxiety. And more so following up with one of my own personal stories where people just keep asking me how I was able to get through it. And I reiterate the story that I um, told in Anxiety 101. There wasn't a whole lot to it. It was really just mind over matter. Um, but that doesn't sound realistic when you are going through anxiety. Somebody who's going to tell you to just strengthen your mind and get over anxiety and understand that it's all in your head when you're going through it, you want to strangle that person. So uh, on, on behalf of not wanting to be strangled by anybody, I think it's very important that I attend to the real issues of anxiety here and, and understand that there are people out there that are not going to have the strength that some of us might have in terms of just stop reading what we're reading online, stop being a hypochondriac, stop... stop putting thoughts into our heads and you know it's almost like we have anxiety about our anxiety and it builds up and up and up and up and we cause it we really do but when we're going through it nobody wants to hear that it's almost like it's kind of along the lines of when you're depressed stop being sad it just doesn't work like that and a lot of times when you're that deep into anxiety there is nothing anybody can tell you to break you out of it okay and we'll discuss some ways to cope with anxiety. We'll discuss some of the different anxiety levels and some of the different anxiety disorders, all of those things. But it is certainly unfair for Mr. Joe to say, get over it. Because even with me, it took me a really long time, really long time for me to use that mind over matter technique and to keep telling myself over and over and over again that it was all in my head. It took me months. And each day it got a little bit better. Now, not everybody is going to be able to do that. And I, I, it's also important for everybody to understand that it is absolutely normal to feel anxious when you're facing a challenging moment or a rough situation. Everybody feels anxiety. Man, I had so much anxiety for my job search. Um, those of you who might be a little younger who have to take tests in school, you know, it's, it's normal. My daughter's always frightened to death when she has to take a test. She's anxious. She can't stop thinking about it. 
going out on the town with somebody, you know, meeting somebody for the first time. You know, that's an anxious moment for some of us, unless, of course, we're in mania mode. <laughs> and then we got to prevent ourselves from being too romantic and um, having unprotected sexual relationships. Pretty sad. Um, but I get it. I totally understand it, and I know that you probably get it too. Um, but what when it com- becomes a problem, anxiety, is when you are worrying so much that your fears are basically preventing you from living the life that you want to live. And when that happens, we could say without a shadow of a doubt that you are 100% suffering from an anxiety disorder. And there are a lot of different kinds. We're going to get into them. But there's also a lot of treatments also, which is great. And in order to understand where you basically fit in in terms of your anxiety and the steps that you might need to take to reduce the anxiety symptoms and hopefully regain that control back, you have to really learn what anxiety is. That was the first thing that you have to recognize is a a true definition of anxiety because until I knew exactly what anxiety was and and the, the problems that it caused, there was no way for me to fight it. You know, you can't fight something that you can't identify. And in essence, anxiety is a completely normal reaction to danger. It's that fight or flight response. And I know that we've spoken about that. It's triggered when you are scared of something, when you're under pressure, when you are stressed out beyond belief. That's what happens. You, your, your body turns into this defense mechanism, and it's that fight or flight response that gets triggered. And it's not always a bad thing. Anxiety actually can help us. Um, I know in my um, my crisis prevention intervention techniques, when I'm dealing with children with autism who are aggressive, they say that it's, and I, and I can absolutely agree with the course, and I teach this, that the anxiety that you feel when you are being attacked, basically by a child or an adult, it works well because it, it, it allows you to stay alert. It, it, en- it enhances your senses. It gets you ready. It motivates you to solve problems. And, um, you know, it, it prepares you, really, prepares you to deal with an overwhelming situation in very many, many aspects. So when that child or that adult comes at me and I, and I develop a little bit of anxiety because of it, it gives me almost a sense of power where um, I can now deal with the situation and because we are anxious it gives us that spurt of energy and motivates us and it keeps us on our toes and because of that we're able to deal with the issue but when the anxiety is constant now think about a child or an adult attacking me If I had to sit in a room for 14 hours a day with a child running at me with his leg ready to kick me in the head or bite me in my arms or pull my hair, that would be constant and it would be overwhelming and it would certainly interfere with my daily activities because I'd be sitting in a room at some point probably hovered up in a ball trying to protect myself for 15 hours. And 
at that point, you've crossed the line from that normal anxiety into that territory of an anxiety disorder. Because if you compare it to an overwhelming anxious feeling, removing the child, removing the beating, removing the violence. Think about the 14 hours of violence that I just talked about. Well, if you have 14 hours of worry, 14 hours of stress, 14 hours, and it could be even longer. It doesn't even have to be as long, but it could be longer, it could be shorter, it could be five hours, six hours of thinking and mind racing and um, you know, wondering and, and, and hoping and, um, you know, just being completely scared of something, whatever it may be, you have now interfered with your daily activities, your, your daily way of functioning. And it, it's, it's nearly impossible to come back from that. Um, and listen, we all have different ways that we react to anxiety, um, and we all have different ways that it comes on. You know, for me, I felt like I dealt with it morning, noon, and night. I really did, although it eased up once the morning hit. That was when I went through some of my roughest times. But some people, they may suffer from intense anxiety attacks that they just come on without warning. You know, that used to happen to me a lot also. While another person um, has that anxiety because they got to go out. They got to go out to a party. We'll refer to that as social anxiety. Um, some people, and, and this unfortunately was part of what I used to deal with as my anxiety used to get worse. Um, I used to be scared to drive. Uh, you know, uncontrollable, intrusive thoughts taking over your mind. That's another version of it. That's another form of it. You know, and if you got all this, which I did. You know, um, unfortunately, it was not just one. It was most of them, but not all of us will have this. Um, some people have a, just live in a constant state of tension, worrying about everything and anything that could possibly happen. And if you haven't learned by now that Mr. Joe is all about that, well, then you haven't heard Mr. Joe's podcast. And... What it comes down to is no matter what you're suffering from, whether it's all of the above that I just spoke about or whether it's one or two of those things, all of those anxiety disorders or symptoms, they elicit an intense fear or, or an anxiety, let's use the word anxiety, out of proportion to what is going on for the moment, the situation at hand right now. It's almost like that situation at hand really doesn't call for the anxiety. shouldn't be that anxious over it. Yet your mind, your body, nothing can control it. So it's, it's not proportion to what is actually going on. And it, it's, it a lot of times prevents us from living the life that we want to live. It does. For me, I couldn't wake up. I couldn't go to bed. I couldn't wake up. I couldn't take tests. Couldn't function, couldn't go into stores, couldn't drive a car. I basically didn't do anything for nine months. Now, here's the good thing. Anxiety disorders are probably the most common mental health disorders. And they're highly, highly treatable. 
So please remember that is, you know, my speaking about this may be even causing anxiety right now in you. Or maybe it's making you feel at peace because you know you're not alone. Um, but those, those people out there that are suffering with anxiety understand that it's highly treatable. And there are probably about six or seven, maybe eight things, maybe five, I don't know, five things, quite a few things that I could think of off the top of my head that you know that if these things are not going away, then it is a very, very um, identifying situation that you might have that will tell you that you may just be dealing with panic attacks or anxiety. So think about it and think of some of the things that Mr. Joe has talked about. We've, we've talked about impending doom. Do you feel like there's always going to be trouble or danger or some kind of catastrophe is always going to be around everywhere you look? You wake up, oh, there's going to be danger. You go to sleep, oh, there's going to be a problem. You're dealing with that. That's a problem. Uh, honestly, guys, when mine used to come on, heart pounding. It was heart pounding panic. And it would be sudden, and it would be unexpected at times. It would come out of nowhere. You're dealing with that. There's a very strong possibility you're dealing with anxiety. If you're avoiding things, I would say that's a, probably a a really good way to um, label yourself as somebody as being anxious. And what I mean by that is just not doing the things that you might have been able to do at one time in your life, an activity, a potential um, you know, going out with somewhere or with somebody and you know, seeing your friends, seeing your family, just avoiding situations altogether because they, in, in retrospect, they cause you anxiety. So you find yourself not doing them anymore. Um, you know, safe to say that you might have anxiety. Now, for me, you know, we just kind of talked about this with the medication. OCD actually is a part of anxiety and we're not going to get into that technically because I believe we have discussed it before but obsessive compulsive disorder is basically a tool that allows people to ease their anxiety so with Mr. Joe I can only imagine that the fact that I have to take those pills out for my nighttime routine well those are things that have to be done in a certain way for Mr. Joe and if they're not I feel like something terrible is going to happen, and that's not cool. And quite honestly, that's that's a sign of anxiety. And, and it's just it just is what it is. So if you're doing things like that, you might have some anxiety brewing in you. Um, if you have, let's say, irrational, ridiculous fears that you kind of know are ridiculous, but still you can't like seem to forget about them, that's possible. That you're suffering from anxiety. Now, listen, like Mr. Joe, like, like I said, if you are not able to go to your class, if you're not able to go to work, if you're not able to go to your family, if you're not able to take care of your responsibilities, take care of your children, do all those things, because anxiety is interfering with it, then there is no doubt in the world that you have anxiety. And you probably need to work on it and get some help. And, you know, that that's that's because with anxiety, you're constantly worried, you're constantly tense, you're constantly on edge, you are constantly 
concerned about something. It doesn't matter what it is, but you're going to always be worried. And because of that, you are going to absolutely feel some irrational... You're going to have irrational fear. You're going to have irrational worry. And all kinds of emotional problems that Mr. Joe also feels at times when I'm going through anxiety or when I did, you know, it's like dreading, that you know, that feeling of dread, that impending doom that I've spoken about so many times, um, always looking out for, for dangerous situations, somebody's going to get you, something's going to happen bad, always anticipating the worst, um, you know, and when you, while you're doing all this, a lot of times we can't even concentrate on what we're doing. Because we're just so damn worried. And with that inability to focus and concentrate, sometimes we just feel like we're totally blank. Just lost. Lost in our head. Can't even think. Irritable. Tense. Pissed off. Just blank. You know? And I know that we've discussed many, many times those physical symptoms which become real. It's not just a feeling. It's not just an emotional feeling with anxiety. You know, it's a product of that flight or fight response. So you are going to produce or your body is going to produce a huge range of physical symptoms. And I got to tell you, I think when I went through my nine months of anxiety that was never-ending... I think those were probably the worst of everything for me. I'm not saying it has to happen to you. One thing I know is when I am dealing with anxiety here and now and during the day, um, one thing that happens to Mr. Joe all the time is I am frequently urinating all day long and unfortunately having bowel movements constantly. Um, that, that's just, it's just a given. And um, that is just one of the things... That goes on with me now. Used to go on with me during my nine-month period, but it happens now, too. Um, one of the things I hated more than anything was the shortness of breath. I couldn't, I couldn't breathe. No matter how hard I tried, I could not breathe. I would shake. I would tremble. I couldn't sleep. I was dizzy. I used to walk into stores, and my mind, I mean, my brain would feel like it was spinning. I couldn't even look up at the lights. There was one time I actually fainted. I walked into a Walmart. Or I don't remember. It was it a Walmart or a Kmart? I don't remember. I don't know. All I know is I looked up into the store. I walked through those sliding doors, and I fainted because I was so dizzy, you know. Your stomach gets all screwed up. You're sweating. Your heart is pounding out of your chest, and I've talked about that in the past. Um, and, and most importantly, what I, and I, if you haven't listened to Anxiety 101, I talk about being a hypochondriac just as much as I talk about having anxiety because a lot of times when you have those physical symptoms, we oftentimes will mistake the anxiety for an illness of some sort, for some kind of a medical condition. And it would not be surprising to me if many of you out there who are dealing with anxiety did what Mr. Joe used to do and go to the doctor over and over again, maybe even a hospital, before they finally link 
the fact that these are anxiety attacks. And we're now recognizing that there's really nothing medically wrong with us. And we are just dealing with anxiety. And that is one of the scariest things because we keep going hoping that we're going to find answers to our quote-unquote medical problems. And we don't. We don't. Eventually we do. We find out that we're having anxiety attacks or panic attacks, which is, my God, I mean, you know, I'm trying to describe to you the basic anxiety, but man, I had panic attacks left and right my entire life. It's that intense fear, panic. It comes on suddenly. It comes on without warning you. It doesn't tell you. It doesn't give you a heads up. Sometimes there's an obvious trigger that will cause it, okay? Um, it could be something as simple as, you know, again, going to have to see a family member that you don't want to see. Um, I don't know. Playing a part in a, a, a play. I don't know. Speaking, public speaking. People get nuts when they have to uh, speak, you know. So it could be triggered by something or it comes right out of the blue. And for me... Believe it or not, I had a lot more out of the blues than it being triggered by something. And just so you know and you're aware, is when you have an anxiety attack, they will usually peak within about 8 to 10 minutes. Meaning that's when they really get intense. By 10 minutes now, you're already saying to yourself, what in the hell is going on with me? And at that point in time, by 8 to 10 minutes in, you are scaring the living hell out of yourself, okay? You're scaring yourself to death. So when you're 10 minutes in, and I would advise you to do this, next time this fear, this intense panic comes on, start to put, put on a timer, okay? And if you get to the 10-minute mark and you realize that things have gotten increasingly worse, remember you're having a panic attack. And also know this that they rarely last any longer than a half hour. They don't. They really don't. It may seem like it's forever. I mean, the, 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 the fear and the terror feels like you're about to literally die or lose complete and utter control over every aspect of your thought process and your body. Uh, and, and it would not be surprising, many, many people, of course, they will oftentimes think they're having a heart attack. And I used to do that all the time. <laughs> I used to be like, all right, the pain, is it in the left side or the right side? Because if it's the left side, um, you know, it's time to go to the hospital because I am basically dying from a heart attack. Even though I'm only 25 years old and most 25-year-olds don't die of a heart attack when they're in relatively good medical condition, I'm not 25 anymore, but you get the point. And sadly, what happens is the heart attack goes away, okay? And then you realize, okay, that's done, that's over. It's been about 30 minutes. That was scary. That was a nightmare. That was the worst feeling that I ever had in my life. But once it's over, all of a sudden, we start to worry about it happening all over again, Okay? And God help us if we're out in public. Because if it happens out in public where somebody can't help you, 
or you can't escape from the situation, you are in deep, deep trouble. So you got to help yourself, and you got to. You can't live like this anymore. Um, so again, those, the the anxiety attack. Just to review, I mean, you know, I, I I would even get hot flashes, chills, things of that nature. I would tremble. I would sometimes, you know, when I would walk into the store, I'd get dizzy. I'd have, I'd be nauseous. I, I, I'd actually feel detached from my own self. I would feel like I was choking, like a choking sensation. I literally felt so much overwhelming panic that I felt like I was losing control or going absolutely wackadoo. Really. You know, we use that term wackadoo very sparingly on Mr. Joe's podcast. Well, there is no other better way to describe the term wackadoo than when we use it in the sentence of a panic attack or an anxiety attack. And it's important that if you are avoiding certain situations because you're afraid of all this stuff happening to you, then it is time to get out there and get help. And Because the truth is, they're highly treatable. And I don't know if this is going to make you feel better or feel worse, but a lot of times and just, like, let's say we choose to go to therapy, okay? Um, for me, it didn't take this many times, but a lot of times you choose to go to therapy. A lot of times, anywhere between five to ten visits, you could actually get help and you could actually minimize your anxiety. And that's the God's honest truth. I wouldn't tell you this if it was not true. So please, please believe me when I tell you that in, in, in a very short period of time, even without medication, a lot of times we can get the help that we need. Now, when you throw on top of it other problems like bipolar disorder or schizophrenia or, um, you know, it becomes a little bit more difficult, okay? Um, now, some people, when they think about anxiety, they oftentimes, you know, like I said, they will think about um, OCD. And you're correct in thinking that way. Basically, OCD is those is like um, thoughts that you do not want to have or behaviors that are just impossible to stop. And you're basically troubled, and where the O comes in is because you're troubled by obsessions. And you're such... You're just so worried. You're so obsessed that... You're going to forget to do something that you got to keep doing it. So the best way that I could describe that is you're obsessed with the fact that you need to be clean. You can't get it out of your head. You're completely worried, a recurring over and over again thought that you are going to be worried um, about being clean. You need to be clean. So, all of a sudden, you take part in, in what we call an uncontrollable compulsion, which would be washing your hands over and over again. And that's really what OCD is. And it is actually kind of falls into the anxiety um, family, so to speak. We also have generalized anxiety disorder. I don't know if um, 
anybody out there really experiences that. And it's more or less the same. I mean, it's just those constant worrying and constant scary feeling that um, it, it basically distracts you throughout the day. And you just have this persistent, ongoing, horrible feeling that something bad is going to happen to you. We're just, near, we're just nutty all day long, nervous all day long, basically all the time. And sometimes we don't even know why. And that's when a lot of those physical symptoms will kick in because we're dealing with it morning, noon, and night. And that may be referred to as what we call GAD, generalized anxiety disorder. Not even a panic attack. doesn't come on, doesn't come on uncontrollably. It's just all day long. You're dealing with generalized anxiety and a little bit different, a little bit different than that panic attack in which you have those ongoing, repeated episodes in which they just come on in, in, in bursts. They're just panic bursts. And then you're feel, fearful that another one's going to happen. And, you know, you, you have one, it ends, and then all of a sudden you're scared to death that it's going to happen again. Um, so, you know, and, and basically what Mr. Joe came along the uh, whole concept of something called agoraphobia. And what that is is basically um, fear of open spaces um, or fear of places that won't allow you to escape um, in the event of a panic attack. And that's what used to happen to me. I, I would avoid public spaces. I would avoid stores. I would avo avoid bars. Because at that time, I was a heavy, heavy drinker, but I didn't drink for the nine months that I was having anxiety attacks. I wouldn't go to the mall. I wouldn't go, wouldn't dare get on an airplane. Wouldn't dare. You know, and, and when we think about phobias, agoraphobia, believe it or not, a phobia is also kind of like an anxiety in which we say that it's just that it's a completely unrealistic fear of something you know, an object, claustrophobia. That's the fear of being closed in. It's a situation. You have an exaggerated fear of a situation, um, an exaggerated fear of, of some kind of an object or an activity that really, in reality, guys, presents little to no danger at all. And some people have dog phobias, um, snake phobias, spider phobias, scared to death of flying my father-in-law he won't even dare he won't he is so scared of airplanes i believe the man is in his mid-60s he's never been on a plane in his life me as i've gotten older i have an intense fear of heights intense i don't want to i i cannot honestly i cannot go on a ferris wheel anymore i'm so scared i'm petrified so those are what we call phobias, irrational fears. And then some of us will deal with that social anxiety piece. And I guess the best way to describe this is a, a horrible feeling that you're going to be looked at poorly or looked at by others as a piece of garbage. I don't know how else to put it. Or humiliated by somebody else. It's it's kind of like a social phobia. Sometimes it, it comes out in like this extreme shyness. People that are extremely shy, um, 
they, they just avoid social situations altogether because they have social anxiety disorder because they are just so fearful of being negatively seen by other people that they just don't want to go out in public. They don't want to be anywhere. Um, something that I've never gotten into, which I wouldn't say that it's an anxiety, it's more of a class of its own mental illness, would be post-traumatic stress disorder. But in some aspect, it is an anxiety disorder. And basically, if you're not sure what that is, after something really bad goes wrong in your life, a, a life-threatening or life-altering or life-changing event, it's the aftermath of a horrible traumatic experience. And sometimes we think of, like, PTSD as a panic attack that just rarely, never, ever, ever, ever gives up a grip. Never gives up a grip on you. It just, it just never lets up. And people get flashbacks and nightmares about those horrible things that happened. And, you know, they'll start, you know, a, a war person, you know is a great example somebody who's been in a war um, people just kind of will even go as far as avoiding certain situations or places because those things remind them of that post-traumatic stressful event and um, if we were to identify one other thing I mean and I my son my little guy Mickey 16 months old <laughs> he actually made me think of this one, which would be separation anxiety disorder, which we see a lot of times with babies. <laughs> um, it's a normal stage. It's, it's normal. What, what Mickey's going through right now um, is normal. But as your children might get older, something that you want to keep an eye on, because if they're intense enough and persistent enough where they get in the way of your child wanting to get on a school bus or go to school or play sports... Maybe they like to play sports and now they no longer want to play sports because they just don't want to be away from you. They don't want to be away from you. And I probably caused some of my own social anxiety with my children um, because I was always hovering over them and, and, and doing everything for them, which I still get yelled at to, to this day from my wife. But, you know, they, want to be, they don't want to be away from mom or dad. And, you know, they even pretend like, let's say they, they don't want to go to school. I'm sick because they don't want to be there. They don't want to be at school. Nobody wants to go to school all the time. But they complain that they're sick and they don't feel well, or that they want to go out with their friends and hang out with their buddies because they're so attached to the people that make them feel safe, such as their parents. That could be a certain sign of separation anxiety. And... Um, you know, it's something to keep an eye on as parents for those of you who are parents out there. And, you know, the bottom line is this. If you're, if you're living a life right now that is unhealthy, unhealthy, excuse me, and horribly stressful, then you're going to feel anxious. Whether or not you have anxiety disorder, that doesn't matter. You can have anxiety disorder and feel stressed out all the time, and you don't have to have anxiety disorder. And you can still experience anxiety, like I explained to you in the beginning. Um, and the things that could help you, you know, guys, I mean, this, I believe, is something that's helpful. It's almost like 
not only are you being educated about it, like a lot of times when we are anxious or dealing with anxiety disorders, we are, we are lonely as hell. We are isolated. And that alone makes anxiety even worse. So by us being a family and talking to one another, and I know you guys are not necessarily talking back to me, but you're listening to me talk, and I know that you're listening, and I know that you have things that you want to say, well, you know what? We're meeting up. We're, we're, we're on a regular basis. You and I are meeting together, whether it's over a podcast or not, and we can share our concerns together. And when you got somebody to do that with, and if it's not going to be Mr. Joe's Bipolar Podcast, find somebody else. Find somebody else that you could reach out to. You know, it's never, ever, ever too late to find friends in life. You know, we don't... If you have one good friend, man, my parents always told me, you, you consider yourself very lucky. So, you know, try not to remain lonely. You know, do things. Get out. Talk to people. Um, you know, um, it helps. It really does. It, believe it or not, breathing also helps. Relaxation things, do, you know, things that, those techniques... Um, people speak very highly of something called mindfulness, um, which I believe is meditation. I've never really gotten into it. I've actually gone to some workshops on it, and I never really paid attention. But I hear, and that's the God's honest truth, I just hear that it actually works wonders. Um, deep breathing is really something that really helped me reduce my anxiety. And, um, you know, there's a certain way that you go about it. You want to breathe in through the nose out through the mouth, you want to hold your breath a little bit, don't take my word for it, speak to a professional, or even go online and find out, they'll have, they'll have some good things online that teach you how to breathe, um, but breathing really, really helps, I did it, I did it when I was coming off Suboxone, and I had a job interview, I sat in my car, and I actually googled breathing exercises, and I followed exactly what they said, and it worked, so I am proof in the pudding that it works, um, for me, I could take it or leave it depending on how bad my bipolar disorder is, but let's pretend that you don't have bipolar disorder and you're just just dealing with anxiety. I will tell you this, you have to exercise. You have to exercise. It is a natural anxiety reliever. Okay? You know, you got to do it, man. Even for like 30 minutes if you could do some, ex uh, you know, like aerobics or bike riding go on the treadmill, you know, do the that silly thing with your arms, that really is actually not silly, it's great, uh, elliptical I think they call it, um, you know, it actually, it really, it really helps, anxiety is like a natural, completely natural stress reliever, and that's been proven, scientifically proven that it, that it works, you need to get enough sleep, you know, which is why you don't want to let the, you know, don't let the exercise, if you are bipolar, happen too late at night because sometimes that will make us manic but I could tell you this a lack of sleep can absolutely trigger the anxious thoughts and those anxious feelings so you know as hard as it is for some of us guys we gotta try to get at least seven hours of sleep um, and I and, and that's on the low end for me I'd rather get nine I know in this day and age a lot of us don't but seven to nine shoot for and I will tell you this, if you're drinking alcohol, if you're down in the liquor, 
If you're smoking cigarettes, I'm not going to sit here and try to pull a medical, you know, preacher kind of thing on you. I don't want to do that, but, you know, even the caffeine, all that stuff, guys, um, you got to reduce it because I'm telling you right now that it absolutely 100% makes anxiety worse. Think about it. I mean, the nicotine is a stimulant. Caffeine is a sting stimulant. I mean, the, the, you may think that these things calm you down. They don't. When you put more stimulants into your body and you already have anxiety, it's going to make your anxiety worse. And that's the same thing with alcohol. Even though it's considered to be a depressant, I promise you that it will absolutely make your anxiety worse when you're done doing it. Let's put it that way. Okay? Um, I don't know. I don't know if that helps. I know it's all easier said than done. But, you know, if you go to seek professional help, that's probably what they're going to tell you to do also. And, you know, it's, it's anxiety disorders. They really, really respond very, very well to therapy. And like I said, in a very short amount of time. Um, of course, it depends on the type of anxiety and the severity of it. But, you know, we could oftentimes treat it with therapy, medication. And, you know, sometimes you got to use them both, okay? Um, and, and there's nothing to be ashamed of if you have to use medication because sometimes that's the only thing that is going to relieve our anxiety symptoms. Just remember the Clonopins, the Xanax, all of those things, they are habit-forming. And when we try to get off them, it's really, really dangerous. It could be very, very hard. You know, so if you could use some of those natural ways of dealing with the anxiety in conjunction with the therapy, and don't get me wrong, Mr. Joe's got to pop a clonopin every now and then, but every now and then is okay. Uh, because you want to get to that point where you're able to manage most of your anxiety without medication, and when you really, 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 truly need it, you use the medication that you've been prescribed if, if you so much need to do so. I don't think that sentence made a whole lot of sense. <laughs> I really don't, which indicates to me that it is absolutely time for Mr. Joe to go. Um, thank you guys so much for listening. Keep in mind that if you are currently living with a mental illness, anxiety being one of them, and you're doing well, I ask you to keep working hard. If you love or you care about somebody with a mental illness or an addiction for that matter, continue to support that person in the very best way that you know how. And if you are struggling right now with a mental illness, possibly an addiction of some kind, I ask you to fight and battle as hard as you can, and most importantly, soldier on. Thank you so much for listening to Mr. Joe's Bipolar Podcast. I will see you guys again real soon.